0: Can we just celebrate the fact that our Vibe team last, uh, yesterday actually, we were out in the community and we serviced over 100 people with water, with Gatorade, with prayer, and with love. Can we celebrate what our Vibe team was able to do yesterday? Listen, we are on a mission to show our city that you are loved, that you belong, and you matter. That is our mission. If this is your first time visiting with us today, we just want you to know, and we hope you experience some love. We hope you will experience some acceptance and some significance. We want to add those things to your life on today, and I hope that today's message will speak to every person in this building today. Um, I've been praying for you, I've been praying over this day, I've been praying over this message, and I believe that everybody will walk away impacted by the power of God on today. Um, If you guys can turn with me in your Bibles or your smartphone device, or if you don't have any of those, it's cool, we got you covered. We got a big old screen uh, behind me, and it'll have some scripture references um, that you'll be able to read along too. I want to encourage you to take notes today, like really take notes today. Um, I don't want you to just be inspired Today, I want you to walk away experiencing some life change and the way that we continue to change our lives and the way that we continue to allow God's word to minister to our hearts is to be able to write it down and be able to go back to it, reflect on it throughout the week. Um, So let's go, if you guys can go with me to Hebrews chapter 12, and I want to look at verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So church, God has a race set out in front of everybody in this room. I have a race, you have a race, my race may look different than your race, But you've got a race, that God has given you a race to run, and heaven's legends are cheering us on. There's a huge crowd of witnesses that is in the grandstands of heaven that are cheering us on. Every single day, every time we wake up, you have uh, Heaven's Legends cheering for you, saying you can do it, you can make it, you are more than a conqueror, that God's got a plan and he's got a purpose for your life, I believe in you, you are a champion. How many of you guys can, can stand a message like that to be on repeat every time you open up your eyes? Well, you've got Heaven's Legends cheering you on every single day. I mean, we've got, we've got legends like Abraham, like Isaac, like Jacob, like Moses. We've got heaven's legends cheering for us. And if we'll listen closely, there are lessons that we can learn from their lives every single day. And um, our brother Chris did an amazing job covering Moses last week. Can we give Chris another huge round of applause for bringing such a powerful do-season word to our church Um, So today, our legend is Elijah. We're going to learn from the prophet Elijah today. God ordained Elijah to be the prophet over the land of Israel about 9th century B.C. And he, he took over or took the reins of being the prophet of the nation in a very hostile environment. They had a wicked king. Matter of fact, the king was so wicked. The Bible actually records the king as being the most wicked in all of Israel's history. And I think a part of his wickedness had something to do with him, I don't know, marrying a woman named Jezebel. Um, Everybody knows you don't marry a woman named Jezebel, right? Like, Like, Jezebel was very wicked. She was very evil. Matter of fact, she may have been even more wicked than her husband, Ahab. And so Ahab was king. And uh, they, they turned the children of Israel's hearts away from God, and they began to worship a false god named Baal. And now we insert God's man, Elijah, and Elijah um, began to be a godly representation in the land of Israel. And here's what God told Elijah, Elijah to do He told Elijah to go to King Ahab, this wicked, evil king who hated and despised God. And he told him, hey, listen, because of your disobedience, because of your idolatry, it is going to be an extreme famine that hits the land. It'll be a drought where nobody would experience rain. You wouldn't even experience a single drop of dew in the grass until I say so. How many of y'all know that Elijah could have got killed right there on the spot for delivering that sort of word. That, that'd be like somebody showing up to America and telling us that a recession is going to hit this country. Not even a recession, a depression. Like worse than the one that we experienced early 2000s, right? Like a, a recession is going to hit the land. A depression is going to hit the land and everybody will be out of work until I say so. That is the type of word that God told Elijah to bring to King Ahab. And Smartly, wisely, Ahab flees the the country after he says this, right? And so God began to, to provide for Elijah in ways that we won't cover today, but God did an amazing job providing for him even in the midst of Drought, and I will let you know no matter what if your job is hiring or letting people go, God knows how to take care of His people, even in the middle of a recession or a depression when times are good and times are bad. God knows how to take care of His people. I wish somebody would say, Amen, Hallelujah, and give God a shout of praise because He knows how to take care of His children. So everybody else is suffering, but Elijah is eating good. And in the middle of of Elijah getting all of his needs taken care of, here's what God began to tell Elijah. God told Elijah, hey, listen, um, I want you to go back to King Ahab and I want you to tell him that, that I'm going to send the rain." that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that we serve, the God that we follow, I am going to send the rain. My mighty hand is going to send the rain. And and Elijah obeys the voice of God, and he hunts um, King Arab down, or Ahab down, and he goes to him and he tells him, hey, my God is going to bring the rain. So here's the deal. Ahab is an evil guy, and he's like, Who is your God? Why should I care about your God? We serve the God Baal. And so Elijah's like, okay, I know who my God is. And there is a a time where the church needs to stand up and we need to say, hey, I know who my God is. I know who I serve. I know that he's faithful. I know that he's with me. I know that he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me. And I will do what he has called me to do. Even in the middle of somebody's unbelief, I'm gonna stand strong in my faith and I am not gonna waver. I am not gonna be insecure. I am gonna stand on the rock my salvation and I'm gonna see the salvation of the Lord so here's Elijah standing there and he's like okay bring all of your prophets the prophets of Baal bring them all and there were 450 prophets of Baal it's a lot of prophets there's only one prophet that God needed in the land of Israel and his name was Elijah and he's like okay yeah bring your whole squad right Pull up, right? Like, this is what, what he was basically saying. And, and so they pulled up, right? And Elijah's like, all right, here's the deal. We're going to call on the name of our God, and whoever God, whatever, whichever God calls or answers by fire, that's who we're going to serve. And so the prophets of Baal was like, all right, bet then. We're going to do that, right? And Elijah's like, okay, yeah, you go first. And they began to call on Baal all day long. They call on Baal all day long. I mean, they are sweating it out. It's no rain, right? Like, it is hot. And they are calling on Baal. Baal, please, Baal, if you could, like, if you would just hear your humble servant, um, if you could, like, like, do us this big favor and answer us by fire, that'd be amazing. Only one problem. Nobody answered. And Elijah was like, hey, y'all, that's real cute what y'all been doing all day and everything like that. Um, And so Elijah goes and he gets, mind you, they're in a drought. There has been no rain. Elijah goes and he gets all the water that he can, and he just pours it all out on the altar. He gets another bucket and he's pouring it all out. At this time, Ahab's like, I'm going to kill him. He's wasting our water and it is not raining. And Elijah's like, "Uh -uh, nope, just just chill, be good, be good. And he begins to pour all the water out on the altar. He pours out gallon after gallon after gallon of water. You see, what we think is, is depleted, God knows how to send in an abundance. So when we give to God, we know that God knows how to get it back to us time after time after time again. And he began to pour all this water out and then he just prays a simple prayer. He's like, hey, Um, You see all these people watching you. I know who you are, but I need them to know who you are. God sent a fire. And immediately, fire falls down from heaven and consumes the altar of God. And all the children of Israel see and they witness the mighty hand of God. So here's the deal. So Elijah is celebrating the biggest win that he could ever have. But right in the middle of it is still one problem. It still hasn't rained yet. They're still in a drought. And God was like, hey, um, send your servant to go check for clouds on the mountaintop. And he goes and he sees a small cloud. And the servant's like, um, all I see is like a little like cloud. You're saying that God is gonna send like a torrential rain? I don't really see that. I just kind of see like a little, like, stratus cloud. Like, I just see like a little, this is like a little cloud up in the sky. He was like, Nope, that's it. Tell everybody in the city that I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I don't know about you, but I hear the faithfulness of God calling and I hear an abundance of rain coming our way. That God knows how to take care of His people. All we need is a little glimmer of something where God says, this is what it's gonna be. I am going to show out. There is going to be a performance. I'll make ways in the river. i make ways in the desert. i make rivers in the valley. God knows how to take care of his people even when it seems like there is no way in the world that this is gonna get done. Elijah's like, I see a a small cloud, therefore I hear an abundance of rain. And he tells them, he says, tell everybody In Israel that the abundance of rain is coming and everybody's looking at him like he's crazy but before you know it torrential rain comes down from heaven and it saturates every dry ground and Elijah is celebrating the biggest win that he's ever had in his life but here's the deal though King Ahab Goes. Oh, actually, you know what? Before I go there, this is what happened next. So then single-handedly, Elijah goes and he grabs the 450 prophets of Baal single-handedly and he slaughters them all. And he slaughters them all. What is he doing? Every representation of your past life that tried to pull you away from God cannot live. Y'all missed an amazing spot to shout and say amen because we all have different areas in our lives that try to pull us away from God. And God is saying, no, it is time for the prophets of your past life to be slaughtered. And Elijah slaughters them all. And then King Ahab goes and he tells his wicked wife everything that Elijah has done. And in the middle of his celebration, Jezebel, King Ahab's wife, sends a message to Elijah and it says basically this, this time tomorrow, I'm gonna have you killed. Just like you killed my prophets, I'm gonna kill you. Let's see what his response was. Because we love to celebrate all the victorious moments of the legend's lives, but today we're gonna look at a moment where Elijah becomes depressed. Elijah becomes full of anxiety. Elijah becomes fearful. And uh, Elijah allowed fear to overtake his life at the word of a threat. And I wanna continue uh, in um, 1 Kings. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. We'll pick the story up in 1 Kings chapter 19. And I wanna look at uh, verse three. And it says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Now, I want to, I can't help but to notice something. How, how is it that God was able to use Elijah to do so many amazing things. How was God able to use him and show him his faithfulness and yet Elijah was still full of fear? He was full of doubt. He got anxious. He got so anxious that he fled where God told him to be. And I mean, Elijah fought battle after battle though. Like I kind of have to give him some do right? I have to give him some credit. Like he came on the scene and it was so hostile against God and he fought a battle. He had a a spiritual battle happening. He had to worry about King Ahab. He had to worry about Jezebel. He had to worry about the prophets of Baal. He had to worry about eating uh, in the middle of a, a, a depression or a drought. He had so much opposition. And I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but it just seems maybe you're here and it seems like you've had battle after battle Battle after battle, test after test after test, trial after trial after trial. And as soon as you overcome and you have the biggest victory of your life, here comes another crushing blow. And I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you today. And Elijah, there's five lessons that we need to learn from this legend today. And these lessons are gonna help us to overcome mental battle, emotional battle. These, the, these lessons are gonna help us to overcome depression and it's going to help us overcome anxiety. I, I, I mean, just, I, just, I just wanna, if I can ask you guys, go ahead, close your eyes um, for a second. And, and this is just between you and God. Are there anybody here, if you just by a show of hands, is it anyone here that's battling depression, anxiety? Can you wave at me? So listen, this message is for you, and look, if you've never experienced, you guys can open your eyes, if you've never experienced depression, if you've never experienced anxiety before, it is a huge weight, it is a huge obstacle. I've had bouts with it myself, I've overcome a lot of different areas, but even till this day, it is something that I have to make sure that I continue to believe God for so I don't slip back into something that almost took me out years ago. Can I be transparent today? So let's go ahead and talk, church. So my point, my first point here, the uh, five lessons from a legend. My point number one is rehearse the winds. Rehearse the winds. Listen, God was able to do the miraculous in Elijah's life. God was able to bring the rain God was able to kill all the prophets of Baal. God was able to um, um, make sure that Elijah had food and drink in the midst of a famine. God was able to show out in Elijah's life, but Elijah failed to remember the winds. You see, remembering the winds gives you the faith that you need to fight the current battle. Remembering the previous wins that God brought into your life is the key to you gaining strength to fight the battles that you face tomorrow. You've got to rehearse the wins. How was God faithful to me then? See, this is what we've got to know because everybody says, oh, well, you know, new level, new devil. Yeah, but you serve the same God. Everybody's, yeah, but you know when you go up and, you know, if you get promoted or, or as soon as you, you know, you, 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 you get ready for, for God to bring you out. Like there, there's a new level. It's a new level, so it's a new devil. But we cannot lose sight of the fact that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never change. He will never leave you. And if God got you through then, please understand that he didn't bring you this far to only bring you this far. You've got to rehearse the wins. Here's the challenge that I want you guys to walk away with from this point. I want everybody to get a thank you book. I mean it. I want everybody in the room, get a thank you book. Get a journal. Get a journal. Name it, thank you. Name your journal, thank you. And I want every single day of your life, every single day, every day that before you go to sleep at night, I want you to to, to put yourself in remembrance of how God was good to you that day. And I want you to write it down. Listen, the word thank is derived from an old English word, think. So in order to be thankful, you must be thoughtful. And I want you to sit down every single day And I want you to be thoughtful about how God has blessed you that day. And I want you to record it. What is this going to do? Because tomorrow you may face a battle. And if you face a battle tomorrow, you'll be able to reflect on what God did for you yesterday. And if you remember, if you will remember what he did for you yesterday, you'll have the strength to fight the battle today. So this is my charge to you guys because this is something that Elijah lost sight of. We've got to rehearse the wins. Number two, don't do life alone. Don't do life alone. Whatever you do, do not do life alone. I want to say it again. I'm going to project a little bit louder so that it can, the point can really go like be driven home. Do not do life. Alone, We were never intended to be alone. God calls us sheep for a reason. There is a parallel. I know, I know. Don't get offended at me. Sheep are pretty dumb. I didn't say it. God did. But here's the deal, though. Like, in all actuality and honesty, a sheep can't see everything on its own. And please understand, we can't see on our own either. We need people to be able to point out blind spots in our lives. My wife does it all the time when we drive. I'm not going to be salty. I'm going to keep preaching, right? We need people to be able to speak life into us. And, and, and here's what I want everybody to understand and know. Isolation only leads to devastation. Isolation will only lead to devastation. What happens? You get in your feelings. You don't want anybody to talk to you. You're like, you know what? They won't understand me anyway. And that is the biggest trick of the enemy for you all to think that nobody will be able to relate to the issue that you're going through. But if you would open up and be transparent and be honest and you'll be able to share with somebody that you trust, hey, this is my situation. This is what I'm dealing with. I'm hurting. I'm having a problem here. And they'll be able to say, you know what I am too I think for years the church has missed this simple phrase me too I am too you see we have to learn how to relate to one another we have to learn that, that it's okay to not be okay and I, I want I want you guys to put that down it's okay to not be okay you don't have to fool yourself into thinking that you're okay when you're not okay you're facing a test. You're facing a trial or life is just so heavy, and you're, you're carrying a weight, and you're carrying a pressure, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I got to be strong, especially if you wired like me, and I got an old school dad. Anybody got an old school dad where, like, tears is, is of the devil, right? Like, you don't cry. Like, like, you, like but, Dad, I broke my leg. It's okay. You can walk it off, put some water and some dirt on it. We'll rub it, you'll be good to go. Stop all that crying. Has anybody ever heard that phrase before, stop all that crying? Jesus. Right? So, but I think for, for so long, and I love my dad, like, he's amazing. Um, kind of insane when I was growing up, but he's good. Um, But check it out though, like I think that these mentalities have just like stayed in our heads for so long where we kinda like try to convince ourselves I can just kinda get up again and just keep moving. I can keep going. It doesn't matter the weight, I gotta keep going. It doesn't matter the fact that I'm bleeding emotionally, I can keep going. But here's what I need you to know. It's okay to not be okay but it's not okay to not be okay alone. It's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to be not okay alone. You, can't be, you cannot be by yourself and you're not okay. Because here's where the devil has the most access into your life. You have isolated yourself from the world, but he's tricked you into thinking that the world has isolated itself against you. And when you get into this state and you're thinking that nobody will understand me, nobody will really know what I'm going through, or I can't share that, that's too embarrassing, or somebody will look down on me. Listen, if somebody looks down on you for the dirt that you're in, that just means that they're delusional about the dirt that they're already in. Don't let nobody judge you because of of something that you're going through. And don't let that be a reason why you can't be transparent and share, man, I think I'm depressed. I think I'm I think I think I'm I think I'm dealing with something and I don't I don't know how to shake it. I don't know how to get this off of me. It feels like a weight is on me and I don't know how to I can all I need is all I want is a release. I, I just I just I just want some freedom. I don't know about y'all, but like I felt that weight and sometimes I still feel that weight. And I'll be transparent enough even as your pastor to say, I sometimes I battle with like carrying way too much weight and I wear myself out. Some of y'all looking at me like, well, that's your story, pastor. I don't know what's wrong with you. That's okay. That's all right. I'm praying for you. I'm going to pray. Don't judge me. Right? All right. So look, so it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to be not okay alone. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. It says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Listen, there has been this ideology that I can go to Bedside Baptist on Sundays and I'll be okay. I'll be able to look at Stephen Furtick online and I will be completely good. And I love Pastor Stephen Furtick, one of the best preachers in my opinion on the globe, I'll be able to listen to Bishop Jakes, I'll be able to look at Mike Todd, I'll be able to look at these people that that have so much uh, wisdom behind their communication and I'll be okay, but the reality is you cannot form community in your bed. You cannot form community by just listening to communicators. Listening to communicators is not a substitute for quality community. You need community, so when you're hurting, you need to get to church. When you feel depressed, you need to get to church. When you feel down, you need to be in church. When you feel discouragement, you need to be in church. You may say, well, pastor, I can get a good word, and I can get a good, pick me up. Yeah, but by Tuesday, you'll be discouraged again because you're not doing life with the people that God has called you into community with. You need to be in community. You've got to be in community. You cannot do life alone. You need people that will be able to speak into your life. When you come to a Vive City Church, you're going to have people that pray for you. You're going to have people that walk through life with you. You're going to have people who will encourage you. You'll have people who will call you and check on you. You'll have people that you can do life with. You cannot do life alone. We food ourselves into thinking that like we have, we're creatures of isolation, but as soon as we're in isolation, I guarantee you it will lead to your devastation. Every single time, every single time. So here's the deal, because Elijah lost sight of this. Elijah said, you know, I'm under attack, so I've gotta run. I'm under attack. And I've got to flee. And the scripture says that he, um, the scripture says in verse, what is it? Verse 3, at the end of verse 3, says that Elijah left, or he left his servant behind. So Elijah left the person that was meant to serve what he was going through. How many times do we leave the person that we love in the dark about how we're feeling? come on, church. How many times do we leave the person that God has called to serve us in the dark? We're there physically, but emotionally, we gone because we're, we f- feel like we're under attack and we leave emotionally. We leave emotionally. We check out. We check out and we deal with these fears that, man, because because I've experienced loss in the past or somebody left out on me in the past that like maybe I can't trust this person now and we leave emotionally, we're out, we leave emotionally. But I believe that if Elijah could get a word to us today, he'd say do not do what I did because it led to my demise. Don't do what I did because it led to my demise. Keep your servant around you. Keep your husband around you. Keep your wife around you. Keep your friend around you. Do not isolate yourself from the people that God has called to lift you out of the dirt that you keep laying in. It's the biggest trick of the enemy is isolation. Number three, hey, this is a big one and I want everybody to lean in on number three. This is a big one. So number three is God created your mind, but you control your thoughts. God created your mind, but you control your thoughts. See, we kind of miss this, especially like our generation. We're so distracted. Can I get an amen on like just our like ADD tendencies? Like Like, we are so distracted. Like, oh, look, shiny. I'm going to look over here now. Like, every time my phone buzzes, every time I get a notification, every time I hear the little ching, like like the iPhone ching, like I'm looking like, oh, message. I have, uh, uh, man, I completely forgot what I was doing before. We're so distracted. And, And here's the deal. We're so distracted that we're defenseless, we're not defending against the thoughts that the enemy begins to plant in our head. And now we can't tell whether or not the thought came from God, came from us, or the enemy, because we have no safeguard on what's coming into our minds. God, God created your mind, but he expects you to control your thoughts. And we keep thinking that, like man, like, I keep thinking about this, so. Obviously, I'm supposed to do this. I, I, I keep getting this thought, so like obviously, like there's truth to this thought. I want to say this. You are not your thoughts. That should have set somebody free right there. You are not your thoughts. Listen, when I was coming up and I was young, um, I, when I was in high school, I had all sorts of like a like, I, I battle with depression, a battle with uh, anxiety. And I, I, um, I remember getting to a place where, like, I was contemplating, like, ending my life. And for the longest, I thought that those thoughts defined who I was. But in all actuality, the enemy was putting suggestions into my mind to see if I would accept his threat. Elijah received a threat. Jezebel said about this time tomorrow, and I need you guys to know that anxiety is rooted in a fear of tomorrow. Anxiety has its roots in what if, what if this happens? Understand this, the way that fear and anxiety operate, it gets you to believe in something that hasn't even materialized. But I love God because he gives us something to counteract every punch that the enemy tries to throw at us. One of my favorite boxers of all time was Floyd Mayweather. Jerking person in the ring, amazing, right? Can we all agree? Like any boxing fan, like he's a jerk. Like I would not be friends with you at all. Like hate your guts. Um, But in the ring, like amazing. But he was so amazing that what made him so amazing is because he always knew how to counter. Floyd Mayweather is not like the most powerful puncher at all, like I think, I don't know, has he ever had a knockout, maybe one, out of all the fights that he's won, he's won over like 50 fights. But what made Floyd... Floyd Mayweather uh, uh, so effective in the ring is that he can see a punch being thrown at him, but he knew how to counter each punch and roll with the punches. You see, we've got to learn how to roll with the punches. There isn't a punch that hurts worse than a punch that you don't see. The enemy wants to blindside you with a thought, and he wants to hit you so hard with this thought you did not see it coming. But when you stand guarded in your mind, you can roll with the punches. Does that mean when you see a punch coming you may not be able to avoid all the contact but you can roll with the punch you can roll with the punch You see, the enemy wants to be able to blindside you with some crazy thinking. And when Jezebel sent that message to Elijah, here's what Elijah ended up experiencing. She said, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. By the way, you're not afraid of 450 guys. Why are you afraid of this woman, this one woman who says, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow? You are face to face with these guys, and you killed them all. Why are you afraid of words? so this woman spoke these words to Elijah by messenger. She wasn't even face to face. And he became so anxious, filled with so much anxiety that he ran. He took off. He fled. Anxiety has its roots in the unknown. What if? What if she's right? What if she does find me? What if she does have me killed? What if the doctor is right? What if I only have so many months to live? What if this growth that I just like kind of discovered, what if it is cancer? What what if, what what if, what if my, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, you know, what if the person that I'm dating right now, what if they leave me the same way that my ex left me? What if, what if, what if? And we allow these thoughts to be all in our head. And we've got all of these negative, toxic thoughts in our head, and we think that it's defining who we are. But really, it's a suggested thought sent by the enemy to cause us to be so filled with anxiety and so much fear that we can no longer believe in God. Because the enemy knows that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if, God, if the enemy can take you out of faith and get you into fear, he can operate in your life. He can operate in your life. So here's what Elijah would say. He would tell us so blatantly, God created your mind, but you have got to control your thoughts. So I want to take a look at this. I want to dive really deep into this. Um, You know, I've got a question. What do you do when your mind is under attack? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do when your mind is under attack? All of our minds, the enemy wants our mind. If the enemy can have your mind, He'll control your body. And if he can control your body, he'll control your life. And the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. His end game is to take you out. That's his end game. But he starts with attacking your mind. This is how he operates. So what do you do when you're under attack? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought To the obedience of Christ and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Here's what you need to know. The weapons that are formed against you are not carnal. Carnal means natural. The weapons that are formed against you are not natural weapons. They are spiritual weapons sent by an enemy who has access into the natural realm. I want to break this down to you guys. I really want y'all to take notes. I'm going to try my best to communicate it as well and effectively as I can. So now we need to understand strongholds. Has anybody ever heard the term strongholds before, strongholds? Some of us. All right, so let me break it down. So the scripture says the pulling down of strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is an old... War term. Okay, so here's what will happen. An army would attack a land to possess a territory. And they would go in, and if they could besiege the area, if they could overthrow the area, if they could kill the king, and they could kill and slaughter all the, the army, they would not only take over the territory, but they would put a stronghold in that city. And so what, what a stronghold is, it is a fortified castle. The, 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 the attacker or the, the, the army would come into this foreign land, and they would overturn it. They would overthrow it. They would overthrow its leadership. And what they would do is they would make it a strong city. And, and you think about a castle, and they would put this castle up on a high pile of rocks so that it cannot easily be penetrated. And this is how the enemy wants to attack our thoughts and our minds. Here's what the enemy desires to do. He plants a thought into our heads. And this thought is usually driven by some sort of fear. Fear of relationship trouble, fear of health, fear of death, um, fear of losing your job, fear of not having enough. Some sort of fear the enemy tries to plant into your head. And then if you'll accept it, you don't have to accept the thought, but if you will accept it, here's what happens. He then puts a stronghold around the thought that he places in your head, and then he wants to build up that thought so high that it elevates itself against the knowledge of God, so you'll believe the thought more than you believe God. And then here's what will happen. Once the stronghold is established, you'll wonder why the thought won't leave you. And it becomes an impenetrable thought where nothing can penetrate through this Terrible thought that you have, you can't seem to shake it. Here's what, here's what I know. You, you know, you, you'll, you'll try self, some self-help books, but the self-help book can't penetrate it. You'll go to counseling, but the counseling can't penetrate it. You'll try CBD oil, and the CBD oil can't penetrate it. You'll try alcohol, and the alcohol can't penetrate it. You'll try smoking vapes, you'll try vaping, whatever you can do, and it will not penetrate it. Why? Because it is, it is mighty through God. Not mighty through a a, a counseling session. It's not mighty through a a therapy. It's not mighty through a um, a self-help book. It's not mighty through Dr. Oz. It's not mighty through Dr. Phil. It's not mighty through the own network. It's not mighty through a self-help book. It is mighty through the power of God and God only. God has a supernatural arsenal that he wants us to walk in that will pull down every castle that the enemy has created in your thoughts. Nothing else will penetrate it. And y'all know I'm preaching good. We'll go to counseling. We'll take antidepressants. We'll do all these things. And yet the stronghold still remains, doesn't it? Because it's spiritual. You're trying to use natural weapons to address a spiritual ambush. We have been ambushed spiritually and we have not learned how to fight. But today, today, we gonna do something about it. So, so the, the enemy operates the same way as this army would when they're trying to take over a land and take over a territory. And if Elijah could get a message to us, he would say, it's time to, number four, pull it down. It's time to pull it down. It's time to pull it down. Verse four again, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And I will tell you, and I'm gonna tell you this with all the boldness and sincerity in my heart. Depression is a stronghold. Anxiety is a stronghold. I've gotta kind of frame the question so like Jesus is the prince of peace. So if we're following the prince of peace, why are we lacking so much mentally? Jesus is the prince of peace. But if Jesus is the prince of peace, why is it that a whole generation of of people, and I I am a millennial, I am a part of this demographic, and millennials are suffering by the droves of depression and anxiety and suicide rates are off the chart. If we are following the prince of peace, why are we lacking so much? And I really believe that we don't understand how to wage war against the enemy. If you won't embrace, and there's a, there's a whole movement that says, yeah, 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 I believe in God, but, you know, that whole hell thing and, like, the devil and, like, demons and all that, no, nah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy into that. Well, listen, let me just kind of graciously tell you, if you don't know who you're fighting against, you'll always lose. If you don't know who you're fighting against, you will always lose. And a lot of us are trying to get total satisfaction out of life, and life here on earth can never give you complete satisfaction. We, were, we are nomads. We are just passing through this earth, that this earth is not our home, that we have been placed in the earth. We are in but not of. We are in the earth, but we're not of the earth and in order for us to get full satisfaction, in order for us to get full relief of all the chaos that happens in the world, we've gotta look to where our home is. Our home is heaven, our home is in the presence of God and we've gotta be more focused on things that are eternal and not things that are temporal. All this temporary things in this earth can never satisfy you, can never satisfy. We have been created to be in the presence of God. And so here it is. These weapons that are formed against us, they're used by Satan and his demonic spirits. I will put me on blast, let this be loud on podcast, there is a devil, there is demonic spirits and he is trying to access our minds so that he can control our lives. I believe that with everything in me because the Bible says so. So they begin, again, with the thought, and if you'll accept it, he'll build a stronghold around that thought. So now let's look at verse 5. It says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So look, here's, here's here's how we deal with strongholds. Say, pull it down, Pastor. How do I pull it down? Here's what we need to do. We need to cast, number one, cast down, cast down each imagination, or I'm sorry, cast down negative thinking one thought at a time. Cast down negative thinking one thought at a time. So this may seem weird to you. This may sound super weird to you, but here's what I do. And here's how the Lord has helped me to overcome it, and it's scriptural. I caught hold of this scripture, and I believed it with everything in my heart, and I walked out what the scripture told me to do. So the scripture literally tells us to cast down every imagination that tries to exalt or be bigger than God. And your fear tries to be bigger than God every single day. So every time you get a fearful thought, you need to, out of your mouth, I don't care who's around, You can be silent if you're at work. You don't want to creep people out. I get it. I get it. But if you are at work and you get a crazy thought, you need to turn your head and you need to deal with that thought. And you need to tell that thought, I cast you down in the name of Jesus. Literally. I mean this with every fiber in me. Listen. And so here's what we need to do. The next thing that we need to do, we need to replace the negative thought with the word of God. So you cast down the negative thought. I cast you down in the name of Jesus. If you get a thought about death, if you get a thought about a loved one dying, if you get a thought about you know, um, um, something going wrong in a relationship, if you go, get a thought about a layoff, you need to look at that thought square in the face and you need to tell that thought, I cast you down in the name of Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. You need to replace it with the word of God. So let me give you an example. If you get a thought, about uh, um, your loved one dying or a child dying, right? Like, has anybody ever had these thoughts? Parents, come on. Like sometimes the enemy tries to attack our minds about our babies, right? And we get a thought about our baby, and we start thinking, man, what if that really did happen to my baby? You cannot let that thought stay in your mind. Because if you'll accept fear, then your fear will come a reality, and so if a thought about your child comes or a thought about your mom or your dad or a loved one, here's what we need to do. You need to say, I cast that down in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against my family shall prosper. Satan, get thee behind me. You have no right to be in my mind. So, so the word of God also says this. This isn't in my notes, but the word of God says this. It says, resist the devil and he will from you. We need to resist him. How we resist the enemy is to combat the negative thoughts that he tries to put into our heads by attacking him back with the word of God. Satan will not continue to attack you when you put the word of God on it. Some of y'all need to put the word of God on your marriage. Some of y'all need to put the word of God on your mind. You need to put the word of God on your family. You need to put the word of God all over you before you walk out the house. The enemy tries to tell you, hey, you saw that news report where all of those people just died in a a plane crash or this is gonna happen to you or a terrible storm is gonna come just like you saw on the news and you're gonna fall prey to it. You're gonna fall victim to it. You're gonna die. You need to, out of your mouth, I cast that down in the name of Jesus. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 may fall at my right hand but it will not come near me. We need to deal with the enemy. Like, this is what it is. Like, we've got to put, we've got to cast down imaginations that rises up and tries to be bigger than God in our lives. And we need to cast it down and then we need to replace it with what the Word of God says. We have to live this way. You can't be the one and, and, you know, like you get a, a lustful thought, and you're like, oh, man, get out, get out. That thought ain't going nowhere. (laughs) You can hit your head all you want to. Like, you still had a thought, and you didn't hit yourself in the head. No, deal with him. Again, you're not, he tempts you with something natural, but it has its origins in something spiritual. Attack it in the spiritual realm, and it'll never materialize in the natural. This is a huge principle that we have to get as a church, and I want you guys to keep rocking with us. Look, I'm gonna preach a whole message series this fall on spiritual warfare. You have got to be here. Because the enemy is a tactician. He is very thoughtful in what he does. And we've gotta know how to combat him, amen? So we've gotta cast them down. And after we've cast them down, cast the thoughts down, and we've replaced those negative thoughts, with what the Bible says. Now, number five, it's time to get up. It's time to get up. I love First Kings chapter 19 verse 5 because we'll see here it says, then he lay down and slept under the broom tree, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Listen, you have been laying down for far too long. You have been beaten down for far too long, and it is time to get up. You may have been struck down, but you are not crushed. You may be pressed on every side, but you are not crushed. You may be persecuted, but you are not abandoned. You may be down right now, but God knows how to get you up. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God, If God be for you, who could really be against you? It doesn't matter what could be falling apart in your life. When you are falling apart in your life, you need to remind yourself who you are and whose you are, and it is time for you to get up and tell the enemy no more. I'm not taking it anymore. And here's, a, here's what we need to understand and know as well too. Um, when we're down, you need to understand and recognize that worship is a weapon. Worship is a weapon. You see, you confuse the enemy when you can praise God through your pain. If you can praise God in your pain, God knows, every time you praise God, it always always precedes his presence. So if you can praise, if you can praise, you can access his presence. And when you access his presence, God brings you peace. The enemy wants you distracted so that you can stay out of the presence, and if you're not in the presence, you can't experience peace.